Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Business of Fitness podcast. I'm Molly Herford, and we are part of the Feisty Media Network. So excited to be here today. Uh, Before we get started, make sure you have hit subscribe. You are following, subscribing, rating, reviewing the Business of Fitness podcast with me, Molly Herford. It's now on its own feed. We're going to almost a month on its own feed, actually. And let me tell you, even though it's been almost a month since Outspoken Summit, I am still buzzing from our live recording that we did there. It was just such a great time. If you haven't gone back and listened to that episode all about imposter syndrome with four amazing women, definitely make sure you do that. All right, but today's guest, Super stoked on this. We have Karen Rizel. She is a small business coach. She's an author. She's a speaker. And almost most importantly, she's a former nutritionist. So this is someone who, you know, started in the field of nutrition. So started in a similar career to what a lot of us listening to this show are sort of aspiring to, that that coaching side of things. Uh, And she actually grew her business so much to the point where people were then asking her how to grow their nutrition businesses. So that's sort of how she got into this sphere. So she actually primarily works with people in the fitness and nutrition industries, uh, which I thought was really cool. And I think she comes at small business uh, coaching from just this very different way than sort of your more traditional small business coaches that you've probably heard on a billion other podcasts. She really gets what it means to be in this industry, what, you know, the kind of transformations that you're trying to help people with, you know, all, kind of all of the ins and outs of it. So I thought this was just such a helpful, helpful episode, especially as we're heading into the new year. We're starting to think about our 2023 goals and plans and all that stuff. Uh, I just thought this was such a perfectly timed chance to talk to someone about what mistakes we tend to be making in our small businesses uh, as we get started and even as we're, we're rolling along and and how we can sort of work to to fix them. Because, you know, as we get into every mistake, quote unquote mistake, is is fixable. We can come back from pretty much anything. So hope you enjoy this episode and let's get into it with Karen Rizel. All right. Hello, Karen, and welcome to the Business of Fitness podcast. I'm so excited to have you on. I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much. So I couldn't believe when I saw your original email, um, you said, I've been coaching health experts on their businesses for over 23 years, which, uh, you know, goes back to 1999. (laughs) I know. Which like blew my mind. Uh, and I'm so excited to hear about how it's like changed over time. But what got you into this field to begin with? Well, I went, well, I started with nutrition. And I went and got a, they didn't call it coaching then, they called it a holistic health counselor. And the emphasis was on nutrition. And I saw this advertisement, a paper advertisement, of course, and about this school, the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. And I said, I have to go. I'm going to get this certificate and I will start a private practice. To my surprise, I realized there was more to a private practice than just getting a certificate. Like I, I genuinely was shocked that I couldn't just, I rented an office and I was like, okay, I am ready now. <laughs> I've hung my sign on the door. And now they will come. (laughs) I love it. And also like that's still around. Like this is a program that has been going on for a very long time. The 
that integrative nutrition and I'm pronouncing it horribly, but yeah, so my so class I- had 60 students oh, wow. by the time I was teaching there, there was, you know, a couple thousand per weekend, you know, and we were in Lincoln center and what eventually started teaching the business side of that, because when we, you know, the founder and Joshua Rosenthal and, you know, he didn't start a private practice. And so those of us who were actually into private practice and starting a little business, we were like, hey, wait a minute, we need help around this. And what I learned, I really didn't want people repeating the same mistakes I did. Yeah, yeah. So what did the nutrition landscape or like nutrition business landscape look like then compared to now? Um, I, I don't really know how one would have gone viral uh, back in 2001, like pre-TikTok. So what was it like? Well, I mean, first of all, there was, you know, there there was the either a dietitian or your some sort of alternative to that. And whereas now there's this big melting pot of coaches and, and dietitians and people working together and there's corporates, you know, you can work in corporate as a coach. There was only one option. You, you really, if you didn't have a dietetic degree was to really start a private practice and how we built our practices was what still works today, which was networking or, you know, giving presentations, a signature talk, you know, we take that little show on the road get to know local clinicians. I mean, that's how we built. And it was very word of mouth in that way, but proactive. I love that. I love that. And I think now now it's super polished, right? And then, you know, anybody with a website can look like they're up and running when not be really up and running, but it's so different now. Mm -hmm. But I think you're right. It does kind of come down to those same things when it actually comes to getting clients that are actually paying you real dollars um it is that like in real life clientele and like the actual like more local networking and stuff and i loved um one of the topics that you kind of had mentioned was like the uh you call it the small is the new big philosophy for health and fitness pros um and that seems like it's kind of what you just alluded to there uh, i feel like everyone wants to be you know an instagram or tiktok sensation when they kind of first get into like the health coaching space or they feel uh, you know, guilty here, uh, like they need to start a podcast or, you know, a YouTube channel. And like, that's the way to the career. Um, but that's not necessary. And even just like having a bigger business where you have then employees and stuff. Um, but I feel like, you know, most of us probably don't necessarily need that. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I think here's, here's a clarifying thing. Most of us think that's what we need to do in order to have the business and do the work and create impact. Mm -hmm. And in reality is that you really don't need to be any of those things, you know, really to have an impact. You know, my clients who work with 13 clients a year or 40 or 50 clients a year, um, and those even with bigger businesses, they, the impact still feels the same, no matter how small their private practices. And then maybe they're charging thousands of dollars you know, or tens of thousands of dollars for those 13 clients. Like you still feel like you make an impact because you're actually working with humans. You know, I find it more important to be a working coach, a working expert than, you know, you actually can bypass trying to be an influencer or build a following. We people think they need to do all those things in order to have what they want, but you can have your what you want 
if you're willing to ask yourself those questions, like what, what is it that you really want, you know, and it doesn't usually require as much as we think. For sure. And I mean, often a lot of the time when you kind of try to expand that much, you end up in this role where now you're actually not even doing the thing that you necessarily like wanted to do to begin with, right? If you're running a coaching practice, you're probably not really doing a lot of one-on-one coaching. You're not. No, no. And I mean, the way that I kind of switched gears for myself was I certainly was on track to build a big business because that is the only model that I saw for quite some time by my amazing mentors who had a a staff and team. And I was, well, this is where the trajectory should go for a health or wellness person. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I, my life circumstances changed. I started having babies and building a family and realized I'm like, well, why am I traveling so much? I started to question all the things that I didn't question before, which isn't really rocket science. But once I did, I realized, oh, you know, I actually, what would really make me happy didn't require a million dollar business mm-hmm. and a bajillion followers. I could just orient myself around how can I create something small that still makes an impact, is meaningful to me, gets great results, doesn't, and also great results in my bank account too, because I didn't want a small bank account. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wanted a big bank account, at least according to, we get to decide what big is, right? And then, and then really be interested in that game of like, okay, how do I stay small intentionally? You know, keep my think, my thinking like big, but then keep it going without like the, the crushing responsibility or weight of running an empire. Love it. Love it. And I mean, we'll say nothing wrong with wanting to run an empire if that's what you want. Um, But I think you're right. A lot of people don't really get clear on that. So maybe our sort of first step I'd love to have you kind of talk through is how does someone sort of make that like, uh, I hate to say vision board, but that's the only word that's coming to mind. So we're going to use it. How does someone like vision what it is that they want out of their practice? Like, how are we sitting down and figuring that out? Because I think that's probably where we're we're missing. Uh, well, there's the math <laughs> part, right? Like, okay, well, what is it that you need to, to live well? Mm-hmm. And I don't mean get by, I mean, live well. And I also don't mean like live in a castle and, you know, like that kind of socialized, you know, rich and famous, like what's your version of living richly, mm-hmm. you know, and what does that mean? Where do you live? How, do, how, how do you spend your time? And, um, for me, like having a felt sense of peace in my life was important to me for my husband, who's also a coach. It's about freedom and skiing midweek. You know, it's actually cheaper to ski mid midweek. It's true, <laughs> you <know? yeah. laughs> and um, and and to be able to go kayak for him, and all you know, me to be able to have the the space in my life to actually think and breathe, and just have not be rushed. Mm-hmm. And so, when you first do the math of like, well, how much does that cost for you? How much do you need to earn to really pull that off? You may be surprised that it's completely doable. Mm-hmm. You know, and doesn't require a million dollar business. Some, some people that like that's what they want and they have a bigger appetite. And I think that's fine. Our culture allows us to have different things. I have a problem when our culture says there's only one version. And if you're not big, you're not relevant, which I think just comes like as a really outdated thing and is dying. Yeah. So there's the math. And then there's the like, then you reverse engineer and say, okay, how do I structure my business to give me this life, but also right, deliver excellent results. 
And people might use the word practice, but it could be business, right? Or consulting, whatever you want to do. And then we can like get into the structure of how we do that. Mm -hmm. Have you noticed um, more people doing kind of more like virtual stuff in the past couple of years? Or are people still craving that like in-person one-on-one coaching experience? I think all the work is virtual these days. And it's been for quite some time, even pre-pandemic. I always feel like my life that was, you know, mostly virtual is, you know, now normal for the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) I was already, I've been working from home for 20 years, you know, when before people would be like, that's weird. Are you selling drugs? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, no, I just need a computer. That's all. There's just, just coaching. The other thing I wanted to ask is how niche should someone new be thinking about going? And I know this is going to be like a bit of an, it depends answer, but I kind of waver back and forth on this because, you know, some people it's like, oh, well, I want to cast the net really wide because I don't want to miss out, like miss anyone or make someone feel like my coaching isn't for them. But then, you know, on the flip side, I'm more inclined to go to someone that does, you know, nutrition specifically for ultra endurance runners. Like that would be yeah. the thing I would gravitate towards versus like nutrition for athletes even. Um So yeah, where do you fall on that? Once you've done the math, then you can start structuring. And one of those first places to start is like really recognizing that if, you know, I work with companies of one, we may have some freelancers, we may have an assistant, but really it's power of one. And so we are never going to outwork the big teams or the the coaching schools or the whatever it is. Um, So what can we do? we have to specialize. We can't do all the things just because we are a company of one. And so we, we decide to become a boutique style business. And so we specialize through deciding like, what is our slice of the pie that we're going to do? And part of the reason we want to do that is so that we can deliver that really well and increase our capacity to deliver that extremely well Mm -hmm. and be able to charge a premium price point. So, right. So how niche do you have to get? It just depends, but you do have to decide that you will specialize. And in that comes a tremendous amount of freedom for you as the practitioner or the expert or the coach that says, I don't need to know every single thing that's available in health and wellness. I need to know how it impacts my people. Right. And then all of a sudden, you know, you stand out from the pack because you're not trying to make everybody your client. You're trying to say like, hey, if you're into this and you have these challenges, hey, follow me. I've got this, some solutions for that. So definitely you have to specialize. And it's one of the first places that people like meet resistance because you do rub up against like, well, I'm leaving other people out. But once you like, if you're willing to go past that resistance and see what's on the other side of that, which is freedom, become really, really good at your what you do, your clients seek you out, they have better results. You can charge more like, and on and on it goes. There's a lot of freedom on the other side of that. Yeah. Yeah. It comes into that. Stop trying to be all the things to every person, which I know is super tempting, especially as you're starting, right? Like the temptation when someone comes to you and says, can you help with this? Even if it's not what you do, it's really tempting to, to take that because, you know, money is money. Um, so now in those cases, actually, this is, I'm flipping the question in my head. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Like taking on work that isn't maybe exactly in line with what you like want to niche into, but like 
will kind of get you by, I guess, like as you're sort of waiting? I, I look at it a couple different ways. One is that there is a transition point from, let's say you've been doing a certain kind of work. I have a client who's a fitness pro, been doing it for 12 years and has a big mishmash of clients. And only a handful are really like the best for her. But that's because it's been at the beginning, it made sense for her to take anybody on because you don't know exactly who you like. But if you're an experienced pro, now it was obvious the ones that were got the best results that were kind to her, respectful to her, didn't treat her like some sort of technician, but actually as an expert and mentor. And then so there's, there's, there is a transition point where you're like, okay, I will continue to take space for whatever comes my way while I actively transition into marketing and pursuing the new people I really want more of, right? Mm -hmm. And in other cases, when my client, you know, just because they hire me to do this work doesn't mean it's always easy. The resistance still comes. Another client who um, was a medical doctor and she was like, yeah, but I can't say no to people, but I want to work only with new moms, And so we just allow her to be like, just stay mindful before you thought this is just how it is and I have to deal. And now consciously notice what happens when your ideal clients work with you and just anybody works with you. And then when you really pay attention to it, you realize it's not worth it. Mm -hmm. Right. And then a third way to look at it is like, sometimes we just have to find a way to like why we're doing what we're doing and say, okay, I'm making a shift to this style of business and this style of client that I want to work with. And in the meantime, I'll take clients that come this way because I need to make rent. I need to make my mortgage and I'm going to do that intentionally, but I'm not going to do that from the place of like, this is just how it is. And I'm stuck here. I love that. Yeah. Just that mindset shift completely changes how that looks. Yeah. Um, This is maybe sort of a, a weird question, but what if you seem to be attracting clients that aren't your ideal client, but like you just certain type just keeps coming to you. Um, Not necessarily even that they're bad, just that they're not who you envisioned were your your clientele. Um, In a good way or a bad way? I think like, well, let's go both way, both. Let's let's go good way first. (laughs) It's a point, it's, it's, it's a point to look at, be like, huh, because part of the actual being a working coach or working expert is you start to see you know, I started in nutrition and yet I kept attracting my colleagues who were like, just, I'll pay you your nutrition fee, but just help me with my business. I'm like, just get out of here already. <laughs> and I'm trying to work. And then after a while, I'm like, huh, I do only read business books now. How about that? Maybe I should do something about that. So part of that is like to pay attention. But if you're wanting to make a shift and you're kind of, you know, not so happy about what you're attracting, I think it's like a front end, like messaging problem. and and not enough clarity in your marketing where you may sound like a little bit of a generalist. And so you get a general audience. Yeah. Or yeah, somewhere along the lines, you've put out something that happens to be catching them. So it's probably a good idea to also be asking all of those clients how they found you or like why they they chose you. <laughs> yeah. And, and there's this kind of general rule that like, you know, maybe the first five years of our business were we are taking a generalist approach. You know, sometimes people start really specializing from the get-go. You know, I had to learn the hard way. But at some point you can start to say, all right, 
I've been leading my business from a place of whatever comes my way, I'll say yes to. And that's great for a time being. Now it's time for me to really lead my business. And that takes a lot more courage, I have to say, you know, where you're like, I, you know, there's these unknowns on the other side, but that's okay. You know, you can lean into your confidence and say, perhaps fitness or a race that you did, or, you know, some other accomplishment that did have unknowns as well that you can bring over to this new place. You know, some of the athletic people that I work with have really been best clients because they have this grit in their fitness and they, and like the, the art of the practice, I must practice and I must rehearse. I must, you know, do the work that I often like, you gotta, we can do that here with your business and that will get the same results. We'll just set smaller goals. So that way you can feel like you're winning sooner than later. It's true. Yeah. Hit us with like a training schedule. And we're just like, yeah, of course I can do that. That makes sense to me. (laughs) A training schedule, but for your marketing, right? Exactly. Exactly. I love that. That might be an idea for you there. Like, yes, literally make it like as a training schedule, like five, like intervals, even like five sets of five minutes working on, you know, these Instagram posts or something. I do do that with my clients because they do need, like we have a highly unstructured business and unless we give it structure, which is oddly enough, creates the fit freedom. We'll just have a big mishmash of things. hundred percent. Yeah. So it's funny. I had on my list of things I wanted to ask you is like things that aren't important that people think are really important about starting a business and things that are important that people tend to think aren't important. So it sounds like structure is one of those things that, uh, people kind of think isn't as important, like having any kind of structure with their marketing or, you know, any of that kind of extra stuff outside of just like the, I'm sitting down with this person at this time to talk about this stuff. Um, that seems like that's probably something. That structure gets- is, is really important. Even though when you're first free and on your own time, you are like, Hey, I can meet my friends for lunch now. Hey, you know, and you go through like, I think I'll go to Staples, you know, and I'm working on my business. I did all those things, but it over, if you really need your business to fund your life, the structure of like a daily hour of marketing, being able to check it off. And I showed up for that is beautiful. But on the flip side, like logos, not so important. The name of your business, not so important. You know, you know, it means so much to everybody. But it's usually a confusing name. And I'm like, let's just go with your name, you know, or um, all the, you know, registering your business here and there, like we can be up and running so much more quickly. It's so funny you're saying that because totally unrelated to fitness industry, my younger sister is wanting to start her own bakery situation and she won't listen to this, so I can say this without her hearing it. Um, <laughs> it's driving me crazy because, like, in the state of New Jersey, I've looked it up, and she could literally start baking cakes in the kitchen at home and taking orders and, like, having them out, like, instantly. But instead, she has it in her head that, like, well, in the new year, she's going to make an appointment with, like, this, like, business mentoring program and, like, maybe get started, like, sometime in the spring with, like, starting to figure out that kind of, and I'm just, like, just, just here's a Google form where you can have people order your cakes and you could have your cakes out tomorrow and we could be going. Well, it's a little bit like that happens all the time. And then I'm, I'm always like, listen, it only counts when you start marketing and actually talking to other humans, everything else, it'll feel like you've been working on your business forever, 
but really like it only counts when other people see it. People are like, oh no, I'm like, yes. So might as well just do that sooner than later. But it does come from, I gave a class the other day to a school and it was all about the entrepreneurial mindset for us in the health and wellness field. And most like what I wanted to share was that, you know, when you work for other people and you're in corporate or just any, even at somebody else, all of your things, your tasks have to be buttoned up and they kind of have to be perfect. Your job's on the line, but in entrepreneurship, you have an idea and you go test it right away with humans. It's complete opposite. And you have to train, you really have to train your mind to do that because it's a whole different ballgame, but it actually creates results faster. And by results, I mean, some things work, some things don't. And that's exactly what we want to know as soon as possible and fast as possible, because we just do more of what does work and learn from what doesn't. And the, the things that don't work aren't really rejection or failures. They're really like, did I learn something? Okay, good. Let's keep going. Yep. Yep. It's funny whenever I'm teaching yoga, which is one of my side things, I'll occasionally be like, okay, you know, if this like if this move doesn't work on our, our left side or our right side, it's not good. It's not bad. It's just information. So yeah, it's it's not failure. It's just information. <laughs> I love that. Um, is there anything else on the important slash not important list that people uh, get get sort of caught up in? Yeah. So what's more important is a little bit piggybacking on the how to train your mind to really understand like your, your comfort with uncertainty. Ooh. What people are doing to try to like delay interaction with uncertainty by I'm just going to, you know, like what your sister is doing is like, it looks right, but it does, it keeps her still farther away from the people that are wanting to buy her cakes, right? We're talking about cakes for a fitness podcast. So if we could just like, I like to normalize as much as possible with my clients. I'm like, of course you feel uncertain or nervous. This is not a problem. We're just kind of going to dance with it. We're going to figure out a way to just keep moving forward, keep your nervous system pretty regulated, right? We're going to keep exercising while we do all this so that way we can stay calm. Um, but like people think like they're, they need everything to be certain and clear and perfect. And it doesn't have to be. And in fact, it's usually a red flag for me. I'm like, I'm going to have to work a lot with you to unwind that because that's really not how entrepreneurship. And most of us, like I didn't start my nutrition coaching business thinking I'm an entrepreneur, nor did I even know that I was a business owner. Actually, I was like, I'm just going to work with clients. That's all I need to know. Yep. And the more that I realized like, this sense of certainty and pursuing that and the busy work entailed with that was holding me back and more of like just becoming retraining myself to become comfortable with uncertainty. Um, on that note, the business plan, I think, is one of the things that a lot of people get uh, very caught up in. That can take like a year for someone to to write out. Uh, where, where do you fall on the creating the business plan side of things? Um, we really don't create one. That sounds contrarian. That sounds terrible. No business plans. What I mean is like, okay, listen, we figure out who you're, what, how you're going to specialize. You know, if you've been working for a long time, we can, it becomes obvious, at least to me, you know, or they, people come with an idea. Then we, we figure out how to like structure their services. Okay. We put together some sort of maybe a website 
And really then from there, we can just move on to like, how are we going to market? How, like, we know, like, we know exactly how your money's like, another version of that is to be more clear about your business model. Like, how is money coming into your business? Mm-hmm. Being really clear, even just for like, it doesn't have to be forever and ever. It can be like for the next 90 days or the year, this is how I'm going to make money with my business. And then we want to move into marketing and generating new clients, something that puts you in front of your ideal clients and some way to keep in touch with the people that you need. And that's all the business plan you need. And then I just like move right into like, what's our next 30 day goal? Love that. Just let's just get going because your brain will not like object too much with that. Well, 30 days. Okay, fine. What are you saying? Three new clients. Okay, that's fine. But to say, okay, 30 days, a hundred thousand. Let's go. You know, it's just your brain and your body's going to be like, I'll stop. Okay, here's the deal. You want to take control of your health, of your life, but honestly, who has the time to go into the doctor, get the requisition for all the blood work, and then go to the lab and actually have that blood drawn, then wait weeks for the doctor to get back to you with the results? No, absolutely not. Inside Tracker is the way to go. And bonus, you can do it from the comfort of your own home with their mobile blood draw. It is so easy. Oh my gosh, so convenient, so safe, so reliable. All you have to do is when you order your Inside Tracker panel, you actually just add the mobile blood draw option and then boom, suddenly you have a lab tech at your house at a time that works for you to take your blood. We did this last month and honestly, it was the easiest experience I have ever had with blood draws in my life so convenient and then the turnaround on the results is so quick and instantly you get this whole view of what is going on inside you with all of the important biomarkers that you need as an athlete as an entrepreneur as a go-getter so definitely definitely check them out save time in your day add time to your life with inside trackers mobile blood draw and if you visit insidetracker.com backslash feisty you get 20 percent off today that's insidetracker.com backslash feisty to get 20 percent off today Speaking of marketing, with uh, with sort of the fitness nutrition sphere, what is working? Like, what have you what have you kind of observed? Is social media really the thing? Should we be putting money in Facebook ads? What's what's going well for people? Well, I'll back up even more. Rather than there's there's the piece that you're talking about, which are specific strategies or tactics, and then what like what needs to happen before then is really positioning ourselves as problem solvers you know, for the people that we need, whether either by stage of life or maybe a health concern or, you know, career, like what's going on for our people and like, how are we going to help them? And from there, like, how are we going to reach them? Like we can say like all those things that you mentioned works. I always tell people to not start with social media if they don't have already a following because people, it's so addicting. Like, cause when you're on there, you see other amazing people who are doing amazing things on social media. So it looks like it works, but for the typical solopreneur, if you will, it's a long, long term payoff game. And so I rather like that goes to me, like, unless you're paying for ads, which work really well, but a really complex, it takes a bit of a stomach of steel and you need money to be able to pull that off. So it's usually a tactic that 
either you're already independently wealthy or your business is robust enough to be able to funnel money in there. Mm -hmm. So for the rest of us, then like, sure, start a social, pick one, pick a platform that you love, you know, and you kind of set it and forget it. And, but you really spend most of your time on another strategy that feels a bit more in control. Like go give a presentation online. You like your whole, the whole country is your, you can speak anywhere. You don't have to be like, I live in the middle of nowhere in rural upstate New York. I don't speak locally, but right. We can do podcasts. We can go, you know, regional events. We can publish articles, something that's really like externally focused versus like talking to who, you know, so most marketing fits into for people like us, like it could be writing, it could be in, and with that could be like, I'm going to publish articles in the regional paper, or I can write books every 90 days and, you know, pump ads on Amazon, or I'm going to speak, or I'm going to do joint ventures, or I'm going to do advertising, or I'm going to do networking. It falls under those five or six or seven categories, something like that. And there's like infinite ways for you to be really creative under each. But I always tell my clients, like you really need to be able to feel in control of inviting people to the like that first appointment with you to decide, hey, are we going to work together? And if you can't do that, that's not a reliable strategy. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it sounds like, you know, writing all of this, con putting out all this content is great, but if there's no way that it's coming back to where people are actually then interested in actually talking to you, uh, you know, this kind of like, I keep mentioning like TikTok where I feel like there's a lot of things, you know, where I, it's like, oh, this nutrition thing went viral, but the number of actual like paying clients that comes from a lot of that stuff is zero. <laughs> You can, you can be really kind of a quiet business and not be famous on any social media platforms like myself or my clients and still do be doing really, really well. Mm -hmm. And so, so since the pandemic where many social media platforms have become so intense and divisive, um, a lot of people didn't want to have to rely on that as a place. And also, especially in health and wellness, a lot of those platforms really, uh, sequester your posts if they're not in line with your views, like a lot of health and wellness. If you do anything else, slightly alternative, really like your stuff doesn't get seen. You know, I may have like 7,000 people on Facebook, but really only like 200 people will see it mm -hmm. because the dynamics change now. Like it's a pay to play platform, all of them. Yeah. And I mean, we all know like most good nutrition advice, most good fitness advice is kind of not sexy. So it's probably not going to go super viral. Let's be, let's be honest here. <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I know, unless you can be a bit kind of, you know, you got a ton of charisma, all that stuff, you can do it. So like the, you know, even for example, in my own business, I'm just go speak. I give, you know, I talk about the same thing, a variety of different ways. And then I send emails. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much all I do. And then you'll see me on social media, but it's not like, the thing that I rely on. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I, we've, this has kind of come up a lot lately. I literally was saying at breakfast this morning, I was like, I think I might be done with Twitter, which is like a really like weird thing to be saying because I spent so much time trying to get that damn blue check mark for years. And now it doesn't mean any, now it's like $7.99 to have it. I don't know. Um, and I was like, oh, this is why all of the experts always tell you to control your new, like have your like email list because all of these platforms 
who knows when we're going to have to quit them or we're going to get kicked off them or, you know, told we have to pay for them or any of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. As you're just starting out, what, what are your thoughts on pricing? Cause I know this is something that a lot of new entrepreneurs, new solopreneurs kind of really struggle with, you know, do I go free consults to bring people in the door? Do I go super cheap to, you know, kind of entice people to come to me or do I go like my like moonshot, like high end version of pricing? Like, how do you, how do you decide what to charge? Well, listen, it, it goes back to what do you need in your life and doing the math there. So, and also like, you don't want to, first of all, like it's really best not to charge by the hour because it's just hard to be able to deliver an entire transformative experience in an hour. Or if you don't know if that person is going to come back or how frequently they're going to come back, like you must have this standard of care you know, like physicians do, like I need these utensils to be in order to, to do surgery. And I need at least 90 days of your time to be able to like get some things through your head and get some things going in your business or, or your health or your body, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then such a price based on the result that you create and then work from like your stage of business. For example, like if you are only charging by the hour. It's really hard to kind of, who really makes a, a, a really great living by the hour? Lawyers maybe, and who else can like charge quite a bit? Everyone else is like, are you, who charges by the plumbers and other technicians? Definitely. And then like in our fitness world, I guess that would be more of your like massage therapists or people like that that are doing like an actual physical thing on you for a set amount of time doesn't require any of your engagement. Whereas Mm -hmm. if your work requires a client's undivided attention. So I always like to work back from where I need to be. And then I always tell my clients like, if, Hey, if you're brand new, like, what would you be thrilled to pay to be earning? And then I always tell my clients, you need to be charging anywhere 25 to 3,500 for the work that you do. And here's why, because over 20 years, I, like people that were supporting themselves, they weren't lifestyles of the rich and famous supporting themselves, but they were doing well. We're within that average price point. And that is someplace and that also gives you a, a, a tracking, a way to measure, like you can get to six figures at that price point per client. Okay. Without taking a tremendous amount of clients over the course of a year, maybe at three clients a month, right? Less if you raise it, more if you lower it, So once if you know, like, I know I eventually need to get there or I'm already there, like that's not considered high-end pricing at all. So then maybe if you're brand new, you might start like, okay, maybe I put something together for 90 days and maybe a six-week option of like some result, right? Not time spent with you, but like a result, you know, like we're going to feel confident we're going to have a plan or whatever result. And then you have these kind of tiers of working with you, you know, like your top tier and maybe a mid tier and an entry level. And then you have it in your mind. I have something at three different price points at different levels of working with me, but under the same umbrella. And maybe you don't feel comfortable at 2,500 or 3,500 yet, but you could start at a thousand dollars and see how that feels. So there is this concept of like right sizing your pricing based on your experience 
your nervous system, you know, the stage of business that you're at. You know, I have somebody that I'm working with right now who's been um, coaching for 15 years, but in corporate settings and in the business on her own, it's completely freaking her out. So while another coach who'd been in business for 15 years, we would be already at a different price point than where we're starting with her because she just needs to get comfortable being able to process and ask for the fee and do a sales call without freaking herself out. So all these things can give you kind of a range, kind of the lay of the land, but hey, don't charge by the hour. Put yourself in some start to finish experiences because we create results and we need to charge based on the value of that result to your client you know, versus 50 bucks an hour. Yeah. And I definitely, I recognize this in myself. I recognize it in a lot of women. We definitely struggle to, I mean, ask what we're worth for sure. And to ask for those, those higher numbers. So I actually really love the tiered idea because I think you'll often be surprised at how many people have like, don't even blink at your highest tier where when you typed it, you were like, Oh God, I can't believe I'm putting this number this high. Um, and a lot of people, honestly, what we've, we've noticed, or I've noticed with some coaching companies, like some people actually like kind of scoff at the pricing because it's actually too low. So they don't actually think they're going to get the transformation that they want because it doesn't have the high enough price tag. It depends like who you're talking to. Like if you're specializing in talking to certain, you know, executives or people that are, you know, like if it's too low, it's going to be, it's not going to be so great. So you're absolutely right. You can, but here's the, if I would wrap it all in up into one word, I would say like transition into the pricing that you want to get to give yourself the grace and the time and the ability to like get good at this over time. And so, but just don't start with the place of like, this is just my rate and not have a plan for keeping up with inflation and your experience and the testimonials and the wins that you're creating and in, in yourself and in your clients' lives. Yeah. Ooh, that's a great question. How do you ask for testimonials? Because I know this is also where a lot of women struggle because it's hard to like ask for something of a client, I think. Like, and we just feel really awkward making that like, could you maybe write a nice thing? <laughs> Yeah. Well, I, I, I plug it in a multiple places because left to my own devices, I'll forget. And I don't want to have to remember. So when people become a client, like when they be like the onboarding process, well, there'll be a little mention. If you like the results that we create, I will be checking in with you for feedback and a testimonial if you'd like to share. So at the very beginning, or another way of saying that is you could say, Hey, you know, as they sign off, you know, on the engagement of working with you, you know, most of my clients send, you know, it's word of mouth, build practice, you could say. And um, so if you like great results, if you do get great results, you know, please tell your friends. So you start planting and marketing, we call that seeding, we plant little seeds of what we expect. And then maybe at the halfway checkpoint, I will check in with them. And I do that just, it's automatically set up in my email. Like, hey, if we're working together for six months, you'll get these emails from me. Like, hey, we're at the halfway point. How's it going? Or another version of that, which anybody can do at any point, which is your client says something amazing after, you know, at the end of your session or when you're done with that, say, hey, could I quote you? 
You know, what you said is just so inspiring. I know it would inspire other people. Can I type something up and you just edit or sign off on it? Yeah, sure. Right. And they'll tell you how they like, they may just want to say their name and where they'll say, they'll, you know, you can say everything. That's a huge thing that like, just like, oh, you said something here. I've like, I'll type it up here. It's done. So you're taking the work off their plate. Like so smart. Yeah. You don't have to wait till the end because there is this thing that happens at the end where people have transformed and they tend not to remember. This is the funny thing. I remember in nutrition, you know, they would, they would be totally different. And I'd be like, do you remember when this was going on? They're like, they would just act like it's no big deal. And I'm like, like things are a big deal and they would forget because they have transformed and they're changed and they just like, didn't want to talk about it anymore. And the other way that you can do it is at the end. Like I would do, I do all these things is at the end, just have a little, Hey, can you fill out this survey? And at the end of that survey, you have maybe four or five questions. How was it? What kind of results? Um, can I quote you? You know, so basically just create a little system, you know, so that it can really, you can give the care and attention that those testimonials deserve and can be displayed properly as if they were really a treasure for you. And they are. Love that. Oh my gosh. Okay. I, I have like two ways I wanted to go at the end of this, but I think we're just going to have to do a part two because I don't know that we're going to get to both of them. Um, So I'm going to start because this is coming out sort of towards that end of year. What I really want to get into is like the, what can business owners be doing now or want to be business owners, people who are thinking about starting their business or people who've already been, you know, running their business. We're maybe new. We maybe have some room to improve. What are some of maybe like the questions or like things we should be thinking about as we're heading into new year, new me time? Well, first I'll answer it this way is that I'm a big proponent of like clients come in big time and at the end of the year. So do not check out of your business just because there's holiday times and you don't want to bug people. This is the time of year where it's like, if you're visible and you actually are relevant and are communicating like what's going on for them, they don't want to go into their holidays thinking, oh, it's another time of me feeling like this or setting these fitness goals and not reaching them, you know? And so be there and like, you can book clients now, you know, you can get a non-refundable deposit and start them in the new year. Like there are a lot of creative ways, like don't check out at the end of the year. I am so glad you said that. That is so, so smart because you're right. This is when people are actually thinking about their wellness and nutrition and fitness goals for next year. So to be like, oh, we're out in December, probably not the best for your business. Uh, Tempting as a person who loves the holidays and would like to be offline in December, but uh, probably not the best move. You can, you can like tell my clients all the time. I'm like, listen, go look at your calendar and block off what would feel great to take time off. Really? Like you're not going to work. You're not going to think about things. Now, what do you have left? What are you going to do with that time? Let's work with what you have left. So that way you can end a year feeling proud. Even if no new business comes in, you know, it's still going to pay off. Like there's this compounding effect that happens in our marketing. Like year one of marketing is a little bit harder than year two and three and four. Mm-hmm. As for the new year, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I would say this. I would say, listen, how can you stand out from the pack 
not in a weird uh, competitive way, but in a way to be able to deliver such a high quality service in a way that's easier on you, that you can repeat and not be bored with, you know, and, and, and have plenty of free time. How can you do that? And you can do that by specializing. And it's likely right under your nose. And you can test that. You can test that without like remaking your existing business or dare, or like spending thousands on a website and then going for it. You can start testing it in the new year by even writing an email to the people, you know, hey, I have this idea. I'm thinking of starting this thing about this problem. I'd like to test this out. But here's the deal, right? Like, and, and offer this kind of guinea pig offer, if you will. Like, I'm looking for five people to test this out with me. You know, it's all you pay what you can, or here's the low special pricing, but here's the deal. If you have great results, you have to give me a testimonial. You know, like basically it's just what I'm saying is like, you have an idea, go test it right away. Don't create all this framework for you to test it. I love that. I think that's a great one. And the other thing, honestly, what you said in the beginning that like thinking about what it is that you actually need to have the life that you want. I think that's a question that we should all be kind of revisiting every year, especially those of us who never have thought about that before, even if we're currently in a business. um, It's always worth sort of relooking at it and thinking like, is there anything I need to tweak to? (laughs) So glad you said that because I I did skip over that. Like at the end of the year, I'd like to, and if I don't get to it at the end of the year, I like the first week of January where they like the kids go back to school or everybody's kind of like, I take the first week before I actually start doing work to just reevaluate. Like how did my year go and how do I want to be this year? To just give yourself the space and time to think like you said, mm-hmm. can make a big difference in a world that's always like, go, go, go. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. And in like the most practical sense, and this is maybe not even a new year, but I do think one thing it's, it's also worth revisiting is all of your, all of your systems. And this can be like the systems, you know, you kind of personally have for like how you're creating content or how you're like meeting with people, but also honestly making sure this is like a weird one to say, making sure all of your like software and website stuff is actually working. Like I was just on our website this morning and I realized like our, our MailChimp thing had stopped working at some point. And I don't know when, but it needed fixing. (laughs) It was like redirecting to a weird page. Um, And I think we kind of forget all those like little details, even running, even asking a friend to run through as like an incoming client is probably a really good idea every so often, especially as you're just getting started. Mm, good idea. Absolutely. <laughs> As like a very embarrassed person who just realized that like an hour before the show, I'm like, <laughs> very much That's, on my mind. Well, technology changes all the time, like different companies, I think a different company just bought MailChimp. And so like some of the functionality has stopped working. As a result, the customer service is different. You know, like things change all the time. I've had my websites hacked. You know, I've had a Facebook hack. I've had like so many technical things happen and, you know, except for the Facebook hack, most of it was like, I just kind of forgot to update something. Oh, amazing. Well, that was so much good stuff. I think the next episode we're going to have you on, I want you to talk all about um, how, you know, women in this business, our journeys are not going to be linear, you know, for some of us that we're going to be having kids as we're trying to grow our business. Some of us are going to be hitting peri or 
perimenopause and menopause and sort of life after that. So I would love to have you back on to talk sort of through how we can think about our businesses in sort of these different phases of our life and even like set ourselves up for success in the different phases of life. I would love to talk about that. That's actually a a little bit of a passion of mine because I was young and single when I started, you know, and then I got married and then I had babies and then I went through perimenopause and then I started hitting menopause and thank God for my feisty menopause. (laughs) I mean, really like, but like the way that you care for yourself becomes uh, a resource in your business and it needs to change over the decades. Exactly. I love it. Yes. We'll definitely have you back on. I'm like, who said that through the decades? It's <laughs> <laughs> all right. As I said, having kids, I was like, just who said the that? record was not me, not a plan just to put that out there. Um, <laughs> I didn't know I wanted kids until much later. So now I'm like 15 years older than all the moms, but that's a separate topic. Just so it's not like a collective gasp from the audience that thought that was like an announcement from me. It was not. To be did she say she's pregnant? Oh my gosh. Did not. Did not. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, Karen, this was so much fun. We're definitely having you on for part two. Uh, but before we go, tell everyone where they can find you, where they can get in touch, all that fun stuff. Okay. So you can go to Karen Roselle, K-A-R-I-N, Roselle.com. And there you can get a free class on it's called small practice, big results. And it'll tell you everything about the happy little practice method, the small new big approach. And then of course you can find me at all the places online. If you want to get in touch. Ah, so good. Thank you so, so much. And yes, we'll definitely talk to you again soon. All right. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I took a ton out of it. What I really loved about Karen is that she's not talking about, again, sort of that cheesy, Uh, self-helpy business coach thing that I get really annoyed about where it's kind of all about growing your business to be this massive thing. She really gets that a lot of us would actually rather stay solopreneurs. We'd rather stay businesses of one, but we wouldn't necessarily like to keep going in the same way that we've been going, right? Like that hourly model might not be working for us or might not work in the long term. But I appreciate that she's she's not suggesting that we have to grow our business and take on five new employees or do XYZ. You know, she's talking about making these smaller shifts to make our businesses more sustainable. Uh, and I love just the concept of focusing on your message, not trying to be everything to everyone. And, you know, it might feel a little slow at the beginning. It might feel like if you broadened out, you'd you'd instantly bring in more people. But are they going to be the right people for you? Are they going to be the people you want to work with in the long term? So if you do have the benefit of time, especially if right now your small business is your, more of your side hustle, I think it's really a great idea to focus on just speaking to that niche, just working in that niche, because that's going to make you much happier in the long run. So hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you're following me over at business.of.fitness on Instagram. Let me know what you liked about this episode, what your most valuable takeaway was. And of course, if you enjoyed it, please do me a favor, share it with a friend who might also be thinking about starting a small business in the fitness industry. All right. With that said, we will see you next week for another excellent episode. Next week's guest is going to be good. All right. Talk to you soon.